All right. Uh, that's how you want to start us off? I don't know. Um, well, welcome back to another episode. We uh, haven't really discussed entirely what we're doing today. Uh, no, I know we're going to go over a few different things. We're going to go over um, just basic cleanliness of what uh, what your restaurant should look like, what your bar should look like, uh, things need to be done and closing duties uh, that don't really get done in a lot of places that should be getting done. Um, and just uh, the type of bartender you want to be, uh, the way you treat your clientele, and just uh, just you know how the basic work should go. It, uh, to us, it seems like common sense stuff because we've been in the industry for so long, and it's just yeah, it's just second nature. Right yeah, now. it's second nature. But you know, you also have people who have probably never done this before, or may have worked in a very small town local bar where uh, the certain levels of customer service and hospitality uh, are a lot different than they are in a bigger city. Uh, in a bigger establishment. It's also uh, managing styles, too. If you're working at a previous bar where your manager really doesn't care about anything and you can just do really whatever you want, um, that's a lot different when you work for a place where that's, that's trying, to, trying to make some money, trying to provide good service. Because if, if you're slacking off, because you could at your last job, not necessarily the, the type of job you should be in right now. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing, too. I mean... Uh, I, in a lot of places where you're going to be able to slack off or you're going to have that manager or that owner who really doesn't really care. They just care about the bottom dollar as long as they have business coming in and they're making somewhat of a profit. They really don't care about the customer's experience. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think it's more so more of a quality of just being a human being of the type of lifestyle you want to live. Just because you might work in an environment where your boss or your superior doesn't really care you should have a level of care yourself that uh, just because your name's out there. You know, that's who you are. People are going to see your face. And, you know, if you show that you don't even care about your job, then, I mean, you can't really expect to go somewhere else and get exactly what you want. It's right. just not going to work out that way. And especially when you work for tips, too, because that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, bartenders get paid two fifty an hour. Yeah. And their whole income is based off a of tip. So if you just don't care about your job, your customers aren't going to care about yeah, you either exactly and yes it's, it's different than working like a nine to five going to a factory or something like that where hey you can just go in do your job get done and out uh being in a bartender in the hospitality industry it's exactly that you have to be hospitable uh yeah. you got you know your money is depending on the way you talk to your customers the way you react the type of service you give um and if you think that you can just go in and work and just kind of uh, lack for a better word, dick off most of the time and think that that money's still going to come to you. I mean, that's pretty sad. I mean, you're going to have certain people like, you know, me and like how you are um, who work in the industry that, you know, yeah, we're definitely going to adjust our tip based off the type of service that you've actually provided for us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we also know because we've been there that, you know, your paycheck's going to be like maybe $12. Uh, yeah. If you're lucky, because typically, you know, the tax is going to come out of you on your tips on yeah. top of that. So you might get a check for like 37 cents. Uh, so, you know, we're always going to tip. Um, and we're always going to tip decent. Nowhere near as much as you could have got if you provided excellent above above board service. Right. And I think it's, it all kind of boils down to uh, just basic training behind the bar. Um, first thing that everyone needs to learn is obviously how to make drinks. But... Um, first thing I always teach is cleaning, cleaning, cleaning procedures. Cleaning, cleaning, um, cleaning. There, there should be opening and closing cleaning duties. One of the things that really kind of is a pet peeve for me is soaking soda guns. Yeah, 
that yeah, that's absolutely. one thing. Just soak it in soda water overnight, and you're good to go. Get off any the sticky syrup from a Coke or exactly whatever soda you're you're pouring. And so you'd be surprised even with that. Like if you go into a lot of these places that. You know, you don't know if they do or do not have certain cleaning duties, where there's opening cleaning duties or closing cleaning duties. You can really kind of tell of what level of cleanliness you're going to expect out of there. If you can go in and take that soda gun apart, I guarantee you go into a lot of these places, you take the nozzle off that soda gun, and it's going to be filthy. So It's going to, yeah, yeah, it's going to that, be bad. That's FYI out there before you uh, go out there and say, hey, yeah, let me just get a, uh, you know, a Jack and Coke. Uh, that coat's coming from that gun, and you don't know when the last time that gun's been cleaned. You don't think about things like that because yeah. as a customer, you're just like, oh, yeah, it's a Jack and Coke as long as my glass was clean or I don't see lipstick on it or see a fly in my or drink. Fingerprints on the rim. Exactly. Or... You think everything's above board, but you know, there's a lot more stuff you guys don't really realize, um, not only when it comes to the inside of your drink nozzle, but inside of your pore spouts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it was something we saw uh, recently where, you know, hey, closing duties were done and there was, you know, your beer spouts didn't have anything inside of them to actually make sure that nothing crawls up there because you got to think a lot of these things have a high, high sugar count. That's alcohol. I mean, yeah, that's, that's it, all alcohol is. And, and beer taps, I mean, there's sugars and there's just excess wheat and stuff from the beer that gets sticky. Yeah. And out of a tap, if you don't clean that or put a plug in it or wrap in saran wrap or something at the end of the night, Fruit flies are going to come out. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of different types of bugs just kind of crawling up in there, and which, all, which is gross. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like that when you, uh, if you ever go into a bar and you've realized there's like an excess of fruit flies just kind of swarming around, well, there's a reason because of that. It's not because mm-hmm. necessarily, hey, this place is filthy. There's stuff on the ground. There's stuff on this. No, you have a lot of sugar. Every single alcohol you have back there is just pretty much sugar. Uh, and so, of course, they're going to be attracted to that uh, mm-hmm. in swarms. And so there's little stuff that you got to do at the end of the night just to make sure things stay at a certain level of cleanliness that helps prevent that stuff. Yeah, um, and it's all just – and it's, it really boils down to just cleaning everything. Floors, yes. tabletops, bar, bottles, everything is just wipe it down at least. Yeah. Um, at the bare minimum. Absolutely. Because, like, stuff during the shift – I mean, I know if it's busy, it's a high-volume bar – you can't really pay attention to cleaning every nook and cranny mm. during your shift. But if someone just sits, someone just leaves the bar, wipe that place down real quick. Yeah. The area that they're sitting, just wipe it down with a little sanitizer water and a towel. I was that's the thing right there. Uh, I, I want to say that it's actually like a, I don't know if it was a health code thing. I know definitely uh, certain private companies to come out and do things like that to kind of make sure that everything's above board and clean. Uh, they're definitely going to require sanitizer buckets in certain places around mm-hmm. not only the kitchen, but of course the bar. And that's that's kind of one of the reasons why they're there for. You know, you always have some type of clean, sanitized water. That way, if anything needs to be wiped down, you can wipe it down right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, I mean, that's, I don't know about you, but if I come into a restaurant and not sit down, as soon as I sit down, I put my hands on the, on the bar top and like I have to peel my hand away. Yeah, that's uh, not a place you want to sit. That's, that's one bad sign right there. Uh, second best sign typically happens before that is, if I'm walking and my shoes are literally peeling <laughs> from the ground before yeah. I get to the bar, as she's like, uh, I don't know about this place. Uh, and that's not necessarily thing. I don't think that's being picky. Uh, I think that's just being in the industry for so long that you know that certain standards need to be met. And yeah. a lot of people don't have those basic standards. Um, you know, it's like, well, I hear a lot of people in restaurants when they say, um, you might see, you know, they might have a bug problem. And uh, I hear more from small local owned uh, bars and restaurants, mom and pop places where oh every restaurant has this problem. No, <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. Um, 
not every restaurant has that problem. Every restaurant that doesn't do proper cleaning duties on a nightly uh, nightly basis, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they have those problems. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if you keep a standard level <clears throat> of cleanliness and expectations that need to be met and filled every day, every time, yeah, you don't really have that problem. No, and bugs or roaches or <laughs> that's a whole different type of thing because it one where's the bar located and if it's in a more of a wooded area or kind of off in the country a little bit or in a smaller little town there's going to be more bugs let's say if you're downtown chicago or hey, downtown anywhere either way you still need to clean it if not more absolutely. at those smaller places and i would even argue that you know in those larger metropolitan areas you could probably even have a bigger bug problem just because there's so many different businesses that are out there. They're all selling food. They're all selling drinks. There's going to be trash. It's just there's no if, ands, buts about it. You're not going to dump the trash every half hour. And so you're going to have a bunch of dumpsters and maybe alleyways. I know definitely in, like, downtown Asheville, you'll go down some alleyways where, you know, hey, the dumpster's filled. And mm-hmm. so there's trash bags just kind of sitting on the ground beside the dumpster or trash cans out back waiting to be dumped. Uh, so yeah, you, st- you can still get that big bug problem even in a big city, but... The reason why, whether you're in a small podunk town versus a big city where the way to combat those bugs is just basic cleaning. And as just like I've said before, stating that there has to be standards, there have to be standards put in place, those standards have to be met. And, you know, unfortunately for us who've been in the industry and are employees of the industry, not necessarily owners, um, you know, there has to be repercussions behind that, that if you don't get these things done, then those standards can be put in place and be met. because, you know, definitely, uh, you don't want to go into any restaurant and see bugs. That, that's right. a, I mean, that's a turn off no matter yeah, where that, you go. That, that, that's a big thing. You know, and, and basic things I always try to tell people is like, hey, uh, would you accept this level of cleanliness in your own home? I've realized it backfired a lot because a lot of people don't do much cleaning <laughs> in their own home. Oh, my uh, apartment's disgusting right now. Oh, God. I can't. I can't do it. I, uh-uh. Well, I'm never really home, so, like, yeah. like I either... At the bar, helping out here in the studio, or at the bar, well, not helping out. Just, right, just right. at the bar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, it, like it, it drives me up a wall, and that's because you know I, I've cooked in the industry for you know ten to twelve years now, um, and that you know I cook all the meals at home. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, every night I'm cooking for a family of three, and that's every single night, excluding Friday and Saturdays, because I refuse to do it. Um, but other than that, like I'm the one cooking every night. So I know that before I cook, my sink's clean. Well, after I cook, my sink's clean. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because I don't want to leave that mess myself. I know what bugs are like. Um, you know, I grew up in a, a family that was, uh, very country. They came from the country. This is how it is. They all grew up on farms with eight brothers and sisters and things like that. So you saw little critters here and there, uh, growing up. And I mean, that was just kind of life. Uh, but been in industry and, and I tell you what, one thing that changed my cleaning habits flipped over, uh, was when I became surf safe certified and, you know, I don't know how it is in the rest of the state, rest of the country, but I know here in the state that that's an eight hour class. Yeah. Surf safe is everywhere. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the ABC board is different down here because the ABC board is usually, I think it's just like Tennessee and like Southern states. Oh yeah. Um, cause I know up North and I know in Wisconsin, it's Bassett. Um, so you had to get your Bassett certification for bartending, um, surf safe, or oh, what was the other one? There's another food safety one that also does alcohol. Um, you can, it's kind of a two in one. So Bassett, like when I got my Bassett certification, 
and I went down to Chicago, I couldn't use that, so I had to take SurfSafe again. Oh, okay. And then I came down here, and I'm like, well, I've got both of these. They're like, no, you got to get ABC to SurfSafe. And I'm like, son of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know with um, with SurfSafe, for us, it was it was something that the employees didn't necessarily have to have. It was more of a manager-based thing, so the managers had to have a SurfSafe certification. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Everyone, um, everyone has to have it up there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, I'll see. I think we should change that down here. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's going to suck for a lot of people. are going to say, oh, I don't want to go take this eight-hour class. And I know a lot of companies don't want to pay for someone to go take this eight-hour class. I mean, you, you have to pay it's them like work. It's 50 bucks. Um, well, then you also have to pay that person's hourly because, I mean, they're working. Salary managers, it was right, fine. Right, right, right. Um, I'm just talking about the employee getting Yeah, it. the employee getting certified is like 50 bucks, but you know, the, the company doesn't want to have to probably pay that $50 on top of paying that employee hourly rate for not being in a building, but... Man, it helps. I mean, if you ever think that you just your basic training and recipe manual is going to make sure that things are done the proper way, mm-hmm. one, you're wrong. Um, because whoever trains this person is going to train somebody else is going to train somebody else is going to train somebody else. The next thing you know, after four or five generations of trainers, the standards that that first trainer had are not going to be the same standards that fifth trainer has. Um, so a lot of things are going to fall throughout the woods and weeds. And, of course, you know, different certifications and different um, – requirements change over time as well yeah. um and like as a manager i would like i've, I've trained a lot of people over mm-hmm. the years and being a manager when i'm like looking for someone to hire i always like i always have them make a couple drinks absolutely during their interview because mm-hmm. i just want to see how they work and how they've been trained and just mm-hmm. their natural instincts on bartending and there's so many different styles or styles but just techniques that are really bad habits oh yeah and that ties into the cleanliness too like you're like never scoop ice out of the bin with your glass oh so yeah god the, you see that all the time yeah, too. Your, the glass will break it blends in with the ice and now you're choking on uh, yeah. choking on glass and it doesn't have to be that even if it's not even a glass even like a plastic cup like mm-hmm. your hand really shouldn't be anywhere near that ice that's yeah, why you have that, that scoop there's a scoop there for a reason and you keep the scoop out of the ice exactly and, that, um, and that's that all has to do with cross-contamination mm-hmm. um but yeah, pouring I, a beer having uh, the the tap um, touching no- the glass nozzle touching the glass or touching the foam absolutely um, it should be at least an inch and a half away from the glass when you're serving a drink never hold it by the top because now your fingers all over the part that there's exactly. drinking out of it's just basic little things that people might not realize but it definitely helps a lot oh absolutely and that's not necessarily us saying oh well we're nitpicking on certain things mm-hmm. that's just how things are supposed to be done those are the standards that have always been put in place, whether it's from being surf safe certified or you know the health department or the ABC board. Those are things that they put in place for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, and it's to, it's there to protect the customers. Uh, and so you know, as a bartender, you might think, "Oh, I'm in a rush. I got to make uh, four gin and tonics and five Jack and Cokes." And so you're just grabbing glasses and dip your hands on those ice to get them done. I understand? You've got to be high volume. You've got to get these drinks out, and you're all about slinging those drinks. But you still got to be safe and clean about it at the yeah. same time. Just you know, slow down a little bit. I understand that. Trust me, if somebody is going to get mad because they have to wait more than two minutes for you to pour them a drink, then, you know, they can go somewhere else. Yeah. That's not the kind of clientele you want anyway. Fast, efficient, and safe is the the main thing for bartenders. Absolutely, because even though you might be pouring drinks a little slower than you would typically do if you were just throwing your hands in there, you're being a lot cleaner, you're being a lot safer, you're running a lot less risk of cross-contaminating something. And you're only really saving, like, 10 seconds maybe. exactly it's not that big of a deal no it, it's really not and most customers are not going to care about it they're yeah. not going to sit there and say wow it took me forever to get this jack and coke it's like yeah uh, they didn't run your glass through a bunch of ice i mean <laughs> we're not going to do that man um 
and just basic cleaning duties just need to be put in place. And I've I've started to realize that uh, at a lot of different places that I've worked, there are a lot of different standards. Um, most corporation standards are going to be a lot higher than, of course, your mom and pop places. Yeah, they're um, they're pretty strict in corporate places like like an Applebee's or Chili's or oh yeah, or Old Charlie's or yeah. anything like that. They're going to be even even like a steak and shake at a McDonald's. A lot of those places, if you have proper management in place, right, those standards are put a lot higher than you will find at you know. Uh, a mom and pop place you found on the corner or good yeah. old meeting three. Billy's Tavern or whatever. Exactly, it's <laughs> you know. You know, JoJo's fish fried. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be great food. I'm sure it's gonna taste great, but yeah, what about the level of cleanliness in that place? You yeah. know, do you not see know what's going on behind board, what's going on behind the bar, what's going on behind the kitchen? Um and yeah. you know, though things can come out great and your food might look great and things like that, you you all really just don't know. And that's because they don't have those standards put in place the same way the corporate world does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that hard to do that. All you really got to do is take that survey class. Yeah. When you take a survey class, you'll learn the same thing that the corporate world knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just have to go through and try to implement some of those practices into your employees. And then, you know, not only can you still provide great food, but you can be clean doing it at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's just... I don't know. There's things in certain places I've been that will make my skin crawl. Um, yeah, we're both pretty OCD about this kind of stuff, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's um, the thing, you know, even if your your kitchen at home might not be as clean as like that, when yeah. you come into work and you're working in a restaurant-style uh, place, whether you're in a bar or a full-service restaurant or even a fast food place, I mean, those level standards, you, you kind of need to be OCD about a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and this is one thing that you and I are actually going through as we speak because we're both helping out this bar here in nashville yeah and um it's mainly right now in the kitchen i'm trying to help out the front house behind the bar as much as possible but the kitchen was a wreck yeah um and it's it's i think i've gone in there and i've i've retrained twice yeah twice now and it is looking better it is looking better some of those practices have stuck some haven't uh, but we're getting there. Yeah, and it's going to take them a little bit, too, because they've, they've been doing the, the same thing for so long. And, exactly. And, and this it, is, goes right back to that position where you're talking about you have someone who's in place, whether they're owner or manager or, or whatever type of supervisory role they were put in, mm-hmm. uh, that just did not take the time or care to actually go through and look at what this place looked like. Yeah. And even in their mind, maybe they didn't even know that, hey, this does not look good. Um, versus our eyes who've done this for years and years. You walk in, you're going, oh, my God. Yeah, like, oh, there's there's no dates on anything. Uh, there's no labels. Uh, labels. Everything. Nothing's been flipped. Uh, half of these containers don't even have lids on them. What the hell is happening? Um, there's a spoon in a, like a, a, a dressing spoon. jar. Yeah, you know. Get you, it out. <laughs> golly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And those are some things that. We, we can't sit there and just come off the bat and berate these guys as you know as if they're supposed to know what to be done. Yeah. Like I said, we've retrained them a couple of times, and the whole reason that we're going through this process and trying to retrain them and teach them things is because they don't know. No standards have ever really been put in place. I think the simplest things they had to do was, hey, at the end of the night, make sure you sweep, make sure you mop, make sure you do the bathrooms, and... I mean, make sure the dishes yeah. are done. It's like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And exactly. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Cause yeah, we're really trying to train this old hound dog, and that boy, Ed, <laughs> has been a pain. But He, he does kind of remind us of a like a labradoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Cute, fluffy, and stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God bless him. If y'all are from the South, you already know what that means. God bless him. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Um, 
but yeah, that's just kind of what we're dealing with right now. But you know, like I said, it's it's a whole learning curve. It's a totally new learning process that they haven't known, they haven't been used to, they haven't been accustomed to, and we're having to try to go from scratch. And it's almost like uh, you know that thing from uh, Men in Black where they had like the little stick that erased everybody's memory. God, I want one of those. Anytime I get a oh the like the flashlight thing yeah the little thing is like memory's gone there you go I need one of those things and for any and every cook unless you've actually been like in a culinary school and you work in a very culinary environment or you've come in and your level of standards are already top notch most of the time you get a new employee and they think they know everything mm. in reality they know man little to nothing so going um, off topic a little bit culinary school. Is not the same as a bartending school. No, bartending school is a scam. Yeah. It. If I ever get an application and they have bartending school on there, there's a ninety percent chance I will never call them. They take five hundred dollars from you for a three hour class, <laughs> barely teach you any cocktails, don't teach you any techniques or anything like that, <laughs> and then you come out as like, oh yeah, I can be a bartender now. Which, no, <laughs> no, it's no. wildly different being actually behind a bar than sitting in a room listening to some guy who doesn't have a bartender job. And honestly, I, I want to say that uh, most bartenders I know, especially high-end bartenders, um, you know, I've got a buddy who's the bar manager uh, for a, a very, very big restaurant here in Nashville, and has been there for a few years and started off as a bartender, and he became the bar manager there. Uh, he's never been to bartending school. No. I honestly, he started off as a busboy in a local chain restaurant with me years ago, like yeah. over ten years ago. I, I um, started off as a host at an Applebee's. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I started off as uh, hey, I started as a host at Old Charlie's. Yeah, there you um, go. And so when it came to learning bartending, honestly, I think my next position up to even learning how to bartend was, hey, let me bar back. Yeah. And um, I just started doing bar backing, and by bar backing, you know, uh, unless there was something that really needed to be done right then and there, I was behind there and just kind of looking, looking and learning, looking and learning, mm -hmm. looking and learning, and start doing some of the smallest basic things of, you know, even if it comes to Get, the point Getting like, right before the line of stocking, but staying right below it. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, we need some fresh lemon juice. I love a place that has fresh lemon juice, by the way. You got the little oh, yeah. can bottle stuff. I mean, no more wrong. Well, um, What's one of them? Was it roses or? Uh, There's roses and uh, uh, the, the, finest call. Yeah, some of those are not bad at all. Roses um, isn't bad. Finest yeah. call. Well, yeah, sorry, yeah. finest call. I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, don't take grenadine. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> but uh, a place that actually has like fresh squeezed lemons. Like one of the places I worked at is a bar back. Um, you know, they had it was actually O'Charlie's. They had like a, a strawberry lemonade, uh, mm -hmm. and their strawberry lemonade was fresh squeezed lemons. And so we actually had a lemon, lemon squeezer right behind the bar. Oh, that's and awesome. so. I'm sitting there squeezing lemons to help the bartender out. That's part of my bar backing duties. And, yeah. you know, while I'm doing that, he's making drinks, and I'm over there just kind of eyeballing what he's doing and mm -hmm. learning how to make this, learning how to make that, you know, and just kind of learning off of someone, I think, did a lot more than any bartender school yeah. would ever done. And I, I'm, I've i never been to culinary school. Um, I will never go to culinary school. But I, I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more intense in training. Um, yeah, well, depending honestly, on where you go, honestly, it really depends on what kind of culinary school you go to. Uh, if you if you took like three culinary classes in high school and you say you went to culinary school, no, sir, you didn't. Right. Um, or like at your like a nice grocery store and yeah, and you know, you learn how to you learned how to do the butchery or you know how to yeah. do the baking. Yeah, that's not culinary school. Um, now there are a lot of great culinary schools out mm -hmm. there. There are a lot of there are a 
abundant of subpar culinary schools. Um, a lot of these culinary schools, only thing you're really going to learn when you get out of there is to how to properly cook eggs, uh, how to properly handle a knife, and uh, that's about it. Um, it's versus more, more than you'd learn in a bartending school. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, versus if you go to like a really nice high-end culinary school, like uh, I know some in New York, of course, there's a ton in like France and places like that yeah. where – you know, that's a totally different job. Those are where you're trying to go be a sous chef or work your way up to a pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those that's a totally different ball game. Chef de cuisine. <laughs> exactly. Um, and oh, when you're looking at something like that, titles. I guarantee you, you're you're not going to be. Uh, if you went to a culinary school like that, you're not working in one of these chain restaurants. Yeah, you're not. You're not working in one of these mom and pop restaurants. If anything, you're working at a place that a chef owns, and you're working to own your own place. Mm-hmm. Um, and your standards are going to be wildly higher than any place you go to. Um, and that's just kind of how that is. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have to go to, especially in this world, especially today, that's a lot of things you don't even have to go to school, basic school for. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely for bartending, you do not have to go to a bartending school uh, for to be a line cook. You, you, you're a waste of money if you decide to go to culinary school yeah. to be a line cook. Um, definitely not worth it by any means, unless you're looking to actually progress your career. I've known a lot of people who were going to culinary school that were line cooks, um, and that's kind of how they were paying their way to go through culinary school. And yeah. I understand that completely. Um, that, to me, is one of the most difficult things to do is to be going to culinary school while being a line cook because the level standards are so wildly different. Yeah. Um, the cooking techniques are so wildly different. You know, you're going to go to school, and they're going to show you how to— Chiffonade yeah. some—, some- Freshly cut basil. Exactly. Or, and, you know, versus somebody, and you come to, then you go to your chain restaurant, you go to, and they're like, they're handing you a Slap that patty on the grill. <laughs> hey, chop this parsley up real quick. And if you're sitting there trying to finesse it, they're like, no, just chop the damn parsley up as a garnishment. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I've seen that a lot of times. Uh, I've seen one big mistake uh, multiple times where here's someone who's working in a chain restaurant and they're going to culinary school and they bring in their own knives. A line cook bringing in their own knives. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I understand. Don't be wrong. Do you have a better high quality knife yeah. on you than that restaurant has? But why would you want to bring your better high quality knife into this basic chain restaurant yeah. where things aren't clean as much as they would be in a culinary uh, environment right, or yeah. a four or five star restaurant? Unless you're like a sous chef or executive chef. Just, oh yeah, absolutely. There's if, knives there. If, if, if you're being, if you're, if you're going to uh, be a uh, a sous chef or something like that and you're working in that type of restaurant environment a higher end restaurant mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, but if you're going to culinary school and you've got you know well over a thousand dollars in knives why would why would you bring that to an Applebee's yeah like that that why like, I, I just don't understand that like, why I've got some I've got some pretty nice knives at home mm-hmm. um, I'm not a cook by any means or a chef but I still like to cook I think I'm decent at it mm-hmm. um the bar that we are helping out at, I'm kind of de- developing some new menu items for them. Yeah, and I might bring my own knives because I because I already know the ones that are there are garbage. They're garbage. They haven't been properly sharpened. Yeah. Um, Unless and, we can sharpen them, that's pretty much. Main yeah, thing. It, we have a steel. I mean, we have a steel that we have and there, and we actually have a whetstone up there or a grinding block up there. Is it really? Uh, yeah, it's sitting on top of the microwave. I don't know why. It's Chef there. Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's in the top. Right on top of Chef Mike. That'll tell you right there what kind of restaurant you're working in. Uh, 
Which they nothing's wrong with. Well, oh, damn it, I can't say that. Yeah, nothing's that, wrong with that. Um, most restaurants you're going to go to, most of your local chain, big chain restaurants, yeah, there's going to be microwaves in there. There's going to be four or five microwaves in there. Yeah. Now, you go into a higher-end restaurant, you go into uh, downtown to go spend with a valet parking, and you're planning on spending uh, over $100 for a meal for two, yeah, there's probably not going to be a microwave in that kitchen. No. Um, because they don't, they don't if, use if, Chef Mike. If there is, it's probably not being used much. Um, yeah. Um, I, mean, I would, can't even think of something they would even be used for uh, in, in that environment. But in most cases, no, you're not going to deal with that. Um, maybe heating up some a sauce real quick. But, I mean, that usually it's right on the right on the burner anyway. Yeah, exactly. You're either putting that right on the burner. You're either making that sauce to order as it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, as soon as it's done making, you're not making a... I think the, here's the main reason where you're going to see that. I'd say the difference between your four and five star restaurants, why they would have them, uh, why they wouldn't have a microwave, versus your uh, your chain restaurants, why they would. Understand this: that even though that four or five star restaurant is going to do something where they're going to have a, you know, your tap's going to be a hundred dollars for dinner for two, or well, well over that, um, their volume is not going to be anywhere near as much as a local chain restaurant. That local chain restaurant is going to be doing high volume. They're going to probably be a bigger establishment. Um, and they're going to be turning and burning tables, flipping and getting them out, get them out, get them mm-hmm. out. So they're going to be making larger batches. They're going to be making batches so they don't have to do the same process every single day because in their minds, they're also looking at the bottom dollar. Yeah. You know, can I afford to have a prep cook here for 14 hours every single day? No, I cannot. Can I afford to have a meal that does take, you know, 30 minutes to cook because we're providing them with a great quality meal? No, I cannot. Um, and and they're so, also probably not, like, making their own like let's say sauerkraut and then throwing like lavender petals in there and yeah I mean hell most of them aren't making pre- their own al- alfredo or their own That's marinara true. most of them that most of that stuff co- probably comes in frozen in a case and you're throwing yeah. it in the freezer and then there's just uh, putting it on a thaw tray and then throwing it in a container and then you know scooping it ladling it into your pasta you know mm. you say oh man this is a great looking pasta yeah it's a frozen bag of alfredo you just got yeah. that you don't realize that the only thing that probably got cooked that day out of that pasta maybe the chicken I guarantee you that chicken wasn't cooked to order. That chicken was probably pre-cooked, sliced, portioned out, put yeah, in the cooler, and then used. tossed on the grill real quick to heat it up, and or honestly, kind of just thrown into the pasta and letting it heat up that way, uh, letting it cook yeah. and tossing that. Um, <clears throat> I know that's big with soups too, like a French onion soup. They'll just get it in a frozen bag and stick it into some. Yeah, like and, a and water there's bath. and there's some places where it's, it's soup. It's it, it's soup, you know. And hey, a lot of times you go in there and you say, "Oh my God, this." I don't want to call them out like that, but damn it, I am. This loaded potato soup is fantastic. It is great. And you're thinking, man, this, this is a cheese-based soup. This is the greatest type of soup. They always got it great. That and those rolls are fantastic. Yeah, those rolls are frozen. And that soup about four hours ago was a, a bag of powder. <laughs> it was powder and water, dude. That's all it was. It was yeah. Dump three bags in there with three gallons of water and da-da-da-da. Cheddar-based well, soup. I mean, well, hell, I mean. If it works, it works. If it works, it works. And if you like, you like it. And we're not going to sit here and knock you and tell you that you don't like it. Hell, yeah. ain't nothing wrong with that little potato soup, I tell you that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a completely different process. If you go into a higher-end restaurant and you order a bowl of little potato soup from there, I guarantee you there ain't no powder or nothing going in mm. there except for uh, maybe garlic powder. Garlic powder. <laughs> <laughs> Onion powder. Yeah. You know, that, those, that, that's basically what you're going to get in that versus – a pre-made bag of powder to dump in some water and stir it up and let it boil, and there you go. That kind of brings us back to kind of the smaller kitchen versus um, cooking at home, too. 
well, it's it's different process, obviously, because absolutely. It, I mean, you can take your time at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have this mass batch of stuff you're making. Yeah, yeah. You're, um, you're making for tonight, maybe for lunch the next day, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and expiration dates are a big thing, obviously. Uh, yeah, but, definitely. But, I mean, in a restaurant, as soon as that date hits, throw it out. Yeah, you and cannot. I think that's, yeah, getting to that. Um, and this kind of goes with somewhat of the cleanliness of, you know, that level of cleanliness. Not only does, you know, your floors need to be clean, your equipment needs to be clean, your utensils need to be clean. I mean, your food needs, you need to make sure that you are daily going in and checking your food, checking your date on your food, make sure that uh, things are kept to that standard because, you know, hey, I made a um, ham, egg, and cheese breakfast sandwich this morning uh, before I came into the studio, and I looked at that bread, and I was like, wow, uh, today is, what was it, September 17th? No, 15th. 15th. So today's September 15th. This loaf of bread expired August 22nd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that shows when we recorded this episode. Yeah. I and mean, when it's probably going to be out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh, uh, how is this even still here? Uh, we don't really eat a lot of bread in the house. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, at home, I can look at that bread, and I know a couple, you know, cue signs to look for. Uh, you know, is the bread starting to smell sour? Because it's just basic white bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it smelling sour? Uh, has it gotten hard and stiff and stale? Uh, is there mold or, you know, like old penicillin growing on the side of your bread or anything like that? Oh, I felt comfortable enough to trust this bread. Most of the time, I keep my bread in the fridge anyway to kind of extend that date as it is. Yeah. Um, versus... If I'm working in a corporate restaurant or even a mom and pop restaurant, and I go in there and say, "What's today? September fifteenth? Okay, this bread expired August twenty second. I'm not even opening that bread to see if it even smells, looks, or even think is good. That crap's going in the trash because yeah. that's it's a different standard. You know, it's at home. I'm putting this food in my own personal body. Mm-hmm. I'm not affecting anybody else's health. Yeah, uh, it's, so, it's not a liability issue at that exactly. point. Exactly. If you want to yeah. get yourself sick, go ahead. Exactly, you know, and then for that, I was like, I trust that my body can handle uh, this three-week-old bread. Uh, yeah. uh, in the restaurant service, and, you know, been in the industry, I'm not even, that's not even a question. That's a, no. 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 For, and First time we trained and helped out over at this specific bar, mm-hmm. um, I think we I think we tallied it up. It was like $800 with the product we had to throw out. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that was a lot of product we threw away. Threw away every single package of block cheese in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, every last bit of it went in the trash. Um, a lot of tortillas went in the trash. Some meat went in the trash. Um, that was just a lot. That was a lot of product that uh, had to be thrown away. Which um, reminds me, we got to go get, well, I got to go grab tortillas for them today because they're out. Are we not getting any on the truck? No, we uh, didn't order any. Well, I don't necessarily blame you. Last couple times when tortillas came in, they already have a. Uh, okay, let's know something. Speaking of tortillas, um, <laughs> okay. Let, let let's go into this one right here. This is still, like I said, we're still saying trying to stay on base with the uh, level of cleanliness right here. And you know, we've talked about basic cleaning duties, uh, things that you should just look at, and know that need to be clean. Whether, like we said, it's floors, tops, utensils, grills, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are starting to touch in on something that also needs to be done daily. Watch well, also put under cleaning duties, um, checking your dates. Um, whether not only checking your dates, like we said, putting your dates and labels on your pans and make sure things are flipped properly and it has an expiration date. Uh, that's something that the health department is going to look into as well. Um, let's look at the difference between a expiration date, a use-by date, best by and date. best-by date, uh, as well as a sell-by date. Because 
There's like four or five different types of dates that people put on uh, packaging or a uh, manufacturer date. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing package date as well. Yeah. But no expiration date. Like, yeah. I don't care that it's been packaged I, yeah. two weeks ago. What, how how old is it? I, I, well, see, that, and that tells me right there. It tells me how old it is. It, you know, you say, oh, well, you know, that's not an expiration date. That's a package date. Okay, so these tortillas were made and packaged two months ago. And you're telling me that that means that they're still good? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, huh? I, there's no way to know. If you're getting expired food in the, in the well, trunk. yeah, I, I and I think every and I know this is something that the uh, maybe the CDC has helped work with, uh, maybe USDA try to work with. I, I think everything should have a expiration date on there because a lot of people don't know. You know, if you're especially if you're a home cook, um, some people find this gross. From the country, that's what people do. You're gonna sit there, especially in the south. You don't just take that milk and throw it out. You shake that jug up and you kind of give it a good old whiff real quick to make sure that eh, it's all right. Um, which is, God, I know some people that will, will gag right off the bat of it. I um, gag when it's fresh milk. I, I, I'm not a milk drinker. Well, yeah, I, don't, I, I only use it for cooking. For cooking, if I yeah, need to. I'll, absolutely. If it's, I can substitute it out with something else, I will. Um, and see, I love milk. I uh, you get me a nice cold tin cup and a fresh glass of milk, and man, I am happy. Um, and even then, you know, I'll sit there and I'll go through because where your milk will sit there and say, hey, this milk so, expired. Southern feline right here. Oh, man. <laughs> Just lap you, it up. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. If you've never had ice cold milk in, uh, in a nice, like, tin, tin cup or... Man, it's just, I don't know. It's so refreshing. I, I can't do it, man. So refreshing. Um, but, you know, even with that, you'll look at your milk and you say, okay, this milk expired. Did, this milk expired Tuesday. What's the day? Oh, it's Friday. Is this milk still good? There's a lot of kind of there's a lot of wiggle ways that you can get around kind of saying that. You know, yeah. technically, yes, it's probably still good, but a lot of those factors depends on um, how long do you leave your fridge open, how long is it exposed to light, um, mm. how cold is your fridge, um, how has it been up to room temperature and then back in the fridge. Exactly, even where you store your you store your milk at. You know, if you're keeping it, you know, don't ever keep your milk in the damn refrigerator door. If nobody's ever told anyone out there, do not keep your milk in the refrigerator door. You wonder why? You giving it this? Huh? I'm, I'm giving you a look right now. Where? Why? Why? Well, when you open that refrigerator door and you're in there looking, that milk has been exposed to the outside air. It's exposed to a higher temperature heat. Whatever's in that door is not going to be kept nowhere near as cold as something being pushed in the bottom back of that fridge. Right, but I'm not camping with the door open to cool down my house. You know how people actually camp with the door open? Go in there and say, oh, let's see, what we got in here to eat? Let's see, no, don't want that, no, don't want that, no, don't want that. And the milk's temperature going another degree higher, another degree higher, another right. degree higher. I get that, but I mean, I just usually put liquids in the door. Liquids? I usually put like um, stuff that really can't really go too bad, like pickles. <laughs> huh. Like I'll put my pickles in a, jar, in a drawer. Uh, um, I'll put... Um, I don't know. If for some reason right now I have hot fudge in my drawer. I don't know the last time we even used hot fudge, but I got that in the drawer, uh, in, the, in the door. Um, you know, little things like that I'll kind of keep in the door, but my milk, I don't keep my milk in the door. Um, hmm. I'll keep my butter in the door, but it's like in that little closed yeah, cupboard little, thing. Yeah, the little. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't keep my milk in the door. 
just because that thing's going to be more exposed to the temperature of the air versus what's being in the back of that fridge. Like if I got my milk on the bottom shelf, very back of the fridge, uh, it has very low exposure to the light above, has very low exposure when I open that door from the hot air coming into the fridge or the cold air releasing from the fridge and usually uh, your motor and your uh, your vents are right there in the bottom back of it. Uh, I trust it being right there and keeping cooler for a little bit longer uh, versus keeping the door because I do have a little one that will open that fridge and just leave that fridge open. Uh, and just being there dancing in the fridge. I don't know why, but that's what she'll do. Um, I mean, yeah. I've definitely left the door open before, but that's coming home at 2 in the morning and grabbing something quick and then stumbling away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, okay, well, good to know. If I ever buy milk again, <laughs> I won't put it in the yeah, door. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't recommend keeping your, your milk in the fridge door. And I think that's – I know I've read that somewhere. Um, we'll have to go back and check that right there. I'm sure somebody's going to get on me and say, oh, that ain't nothing wrong with that. I've been doing it for 20 years. Oh, I'm sure you have been doing it for 20 years. And that's the thing right there. Just because you've gotten away with it for so long, just because you've cooked something a certain way for so long and you've never gotten sick doesn't mean that it's never going to happen, that yeah. it's not going to happen. That That is one of the arguments I've seen a lot because – I. But, I'm pretty relatively young, so are you, to have a lot of experience in this industry. Right. We both started a long time ago. Um, yeah, well, so I mean, like, I remember training someone who was like 30 years older than me mm-hmm. um, back in Chicago, and she was like, well, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. Like, what, what are you going to tell me that I don't know? And then I just like, over there with, with the ice scoop, why is it in the, why is it in the ice, <laughs> ice bin? She was like, well, that's where we put it. I'm like, there's a little handle thing right there. You put an ice scoop there so yeah. you're not touching the ice. Oh, all right. I'm like, yeah, just because you've been doing it for a long time doesn't mean. <laughs> I mean that's crazy. I've heard that a lot, too. You shouldn't have a 22-year-old kid coming in here telling you what to do. Exactly. That's one big argument I've definitely seen before, too. Well, I've been doing this for 40 years. You can't train me. I'm like, yeah, you've been doing your job wrong for 40 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but. Yeah. Because um, you're, what, 31? 31. 31. Yeah. I'm 27. Been doing this since 15, 16. We won't tell the place what it happened at, even though that's called child labor. Yeah. Well, it was Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's used child labor in Wisconsin. It doesn't really, nothing really matters up there. Just give them a six-pack, you're good to go. Yes. Yes, that's all right. You're going to get there sooner or later. Um yeah, no, I'm, I'm 31. Um, Got to say, I kind of started uh, cooking uh, for other people, for paying customers, I would say probably around 17 on uh, a couple little small places. Definitely started getting to a corporate restaurant when I was 19 and stayed and worked my way up from a host to a you know, host to a server to uh, doing something like to go, bar backing, and then finally weighed my way into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got my way into the kitchen because when I was doing, when I was a server, um, I just got to the point where, you know, I was turn and burn, always turn and burn. And that's just what my, my mentality was. If, hey, I got a four table section, the faster I get their drinks, the faster I get their bread, maybe it might be the faster they can actually put their order in. And the faster I can get their food to them, doesn't mean they're going to eat their food a lot faster, but my time frame is actually going to be shorter for that table. Yeah. And I want to make sure I give them the absolute best service, but I'm also want to turn and burn and get this table out here so I get the next one in. Um, because this table might only leave me a $5 tip, and the next one might leave me 10 I don't know. Yeah. Um, See, but, and I've always been front of house. I've never cooked in a restaurant. Uh, but um, I, I, that's how I end up getting in the kitchen is just because I got to the point where I'm tired of waiting on these cooks back here. Um, hey, man, just do you mind do if it. I come back here and make my own salad real quick? Like, I'll throw some gloves on and just get it done. I've seen you do it a thousand times. It ain't hard. Yeah. Uh, and finally, like, well, a manager's kind of like, 
And you you already make like twenty percent of the food that you've got it. We you served. Do you just start working back here? I'm not sure why not. Um, and then how to learn that? And like I said, that was just a basic line cook. Now no culinary experience, um, but having actually having a passion for it, especially at that young age, I had a passion. I wanted to learn. I wanted to do better. I wanted to progress. Uh, and so I took just. Not only just being, okay, I'm a basic line cook. These are the basic things you're going to give me to cook. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to start working and learning every single position. And then after that, I'm going to start trying to implement new techniques that I've learned, that I've started to research on my own, to try to progress myself even further. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's got me to the point where I was able to, you know, leave that and go into management and then go into being a general manager and to, you know, being a part owner into my own place and trying to keep that place ran and, get, and keep it above board and, Try to make it successful as possible, uh, and that's just—I mean—that was just that passion driven to want to do better, want to learn as much as I could. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone in the industry has that passion that wants to, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a line cook right now, um, but I'm not trying to be, you know, Chef Dingling out here. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> sorry, bad joke. Um, but you know, I'm not trying to be a chef. I'm not trying to get to this experience. I'm here literally for a paycheck. I, I'm a firm believer that you know whether you are a uh, high-end chef or you are a line cook or you're flipping burgers at a grill at Mickey D's, it doesn't matter. I think you should have a certain level of care for your job. Period. Yeah. And not necessarily for the job as the company, but for the type of work and quality of work you put in. Um, always put in 110 uh, percent, whether you like the job or not. Just put in 110 percent because. Man, that goes a lot further. People are going to see that. People are going to recognize that. Uh, that's going to help progress your career, I believe, and no matter what field you go into. Hell, I went from being a line cook to uh, doing, like, um, page layout for uh, digital and printing publishing. I, I don't know how the hell I got there, but my just steady work career and my never-give-up attitude just kind of mm -hmm. helped me progress myself to there. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I went to school for music, obviously, and like now I co-own a studio with with two other people and mm -hmm. kind of getting back into the bar industry a little bit because I'm helping out a buddy who just purchased this bar and um, sooner or later maybe be part owner as well. But like growing up, always in the food industry, always bartending, mm -hmm. doing something. And now I'm actually in a place where I don't have to do that anymore. Um, yeah. Even though I love it for some God knows uh, reason. You know, that's, that's the craziest part. <laughs> there are it, days a, where I do a, miss it. <laughs> it's a bitch and a half, but you know, I just, like I had to fill in for a bartender the other day because mm -hmm. um, they were running late or something. I had maybe like four or five people back there, mm -hmm. but making some drinks, cutting up, joking around with people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, it's still fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely even in those high volume days. I actually love I love those high volume days. Mm -hmm. I, I love the you know some people I. I hated being in the restaurant industry when it was slow. That is one thing, yeah. Uh, and it's not even so much as saying, like, as a server, being on a front uh, front of house experience, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to hate it when it's slow. I'm not making money. It's just so damn boring and so damn daunting. Mm -hmm. But uh, I thrive on those high volume. When it's slow or when everyone comes in at once. Yeah. That's the other. That's the only other part I can't stand. Yeah, no, I've always, um, I, that's why I love being a prep cook. I've, I've, hell, I got to the point where I was asking my managers, yeah, I know technically uh, I'm not supposed to be in a building alone without a manager present, but I've got keys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my <got> keys. <laughs> my shift isn't supposed to start till seven. Can I come in at like four? And they're like, 
I mean, I guess technically you're not supposed to, but I mean, you can come in anytime you want to. You got keys. I'm like, all right, great, cool. Because yeah. um, I think that at that point in time, I can get in there, I can be in my own little world, and I can multitask like nobody else, else mm-hmm. you know, just keep going, going, and going, and going, and going. But yeah, when everybody comes, all comes in at the shift at the same time, yeah, I don't like that. But um, yeah. And this is one thing that we've talked about doing before, too, is kind of maybe expanding this podcast into also a cooking show type yeah. of thing. And we can spend one or two episodes on like these techniques that we're talking about absolutely and uh, have a visual side of it absolutely and we can easily just kind of reference you guys to a, a couple different for the ones who are listening that might not be in the restaurant industry or may have just started out in the restaurant industry and you really don't know much somebody mm-hmm. just gave you a shot to be a cook and you're kind of just trying to learn on the fly um, you know, we can give you a lot of references, a lot of video references that we've seen that mm-hmm. I've seen online, how to properly do a couple things. Um, you won't believe how many, or if you're just a, a, a home cook, you just cook for your family, yeah. you know, there's, there's certain techniques that you can just implement at home that's going to make your cook times go down a lot. It's going to make your jobs a lot easier yeah. uh, just to be able to produce a better quality food. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like I said, neither one of us are culinary guys. None of us went to culinary school or been mm-hmm. professionally trained. Uh, I think it just came from working in restaurants, working in high-volume restaurants, working in some upper-scale restaurants, uh, and just the different levels of standards they put in place and our own drive to try to learn more has kind of yeah. progressed us. I, and it's kind of the same with, uh, I'm going to give a, a shout-out to uh, Binging with Babish, who's a show on, on YouTube right now. If you've seen it, great. If not, you got to go check it out because he's got a segment called Basics with Babish. And it, he just shows just like I think the first episode is all about eggs, yeah, and and whatnot. But he it he's a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely recommend that. Do you like eggs the way they're supposed to be cooked, like the soft scramble? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I, I've met the, a lot of the, people the Gordon, Ram- and the Gordon Ramsay way. Yeah, the, exactly <laughs> the Gordon Ramsay way. I've a lot, a lot of people and they're like, oh my god, that's not scrambled eggs. I'm like, well, I mean, technically, yeah, that's. That's more, actually that's the real scrambled eggs. Yeah, it's more like a custardy kind of exactly. Silky, it's, it's not that uh, that hard scramble, just rubbery crumble. Yeah, I um, mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I that's how I cooked eggs growing up and in college because I didn't know any better. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's still I saw if I cooked I very rarely cook scrambled eggs. Nine times out of ten, I make an omelet. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I love the fold of my eggs, especially if I'm making like a sandwich. I'll just pretty much I'll essentially make an omelet. And just fold it, fold it, fold it, yeah. fold it, fold it, and then you know that's why two eggs. I've got a like a two inch egg mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of there. Recently, eggs. I'm just frying them. Just yeah, yeah. I definitely like fried eggs. Um, I'm about to tell how southern I am. A fried egg bologna sandwich. Oh, fuck. I know. It is like, <laughs> um, that's actually funny because one of our friends. I don't know if you know this story. Um, she. She just had a baby. Okay. So you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She was cooking once at the bar, and uh, they said so they wanted a fried egg on their burger. Uh-huh. So she... Don't tell me she dropped it in the fryer. She dropped it in the... <laughs> she dropped... She cracked the egg and dropped it into the deep fryer. Oh. <laughs> and it just started breaking up and going everywhere. And she's like, I don't know if this is right. <laughs> Bless her heart. Oh, my God. <laughs> When I was told that story, I bust out laughing because she's the sweetest, like most oh, innocent, yes, just beautiful person in the world. Yeah, and 
it's so like her to do something like that yeah. too. She's a sweetheart, and and she's very intelligent. With that, you know, at the same time, there's gonna be some ditzy moves uh, from everybody. Yeah. And yeah, that was that was one of her ditzy moves. So I I was so mad I wasn't there when that happened. Oh God, I wish I was there when that happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fried egg. It, I mean, yeah, if you, not if you a deep fried egg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't put it in the, in there. Well, I mean, actually, if you put the shell in there too, it might actually do something that's not messy. I don't know what it would. That do. That sounds like an experiment you want to go try to have now. Oh, let's wait till it's time to dump that fry. We'll have Eric do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you said that, and I just thought about the uh, the, the hot dog pickling. Oh my gosh, that's another good one. Uh, yeah. Um, hey, if you want to learn how to, well, first of all, I, yeah, you can have pickled hot dogs. Um, technically, yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I've always seen it I don't like know if my. That would be good. Well, I've always seen it like um, especially here in the South, everybody cans a lot of things, and a lot of things are put yeah. in there where you've got you've got cucumbers, you've got squash, you've got <laughs> an egg in there, you've got some hot dogs yeah. in there, and they're all put in there and a vinegar canned up, put on the shelf. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've I've been pickling a lot of things like uh, like red onions or green beans yeah. or doing like a lacto fermentation jardinier or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But when our buddy told us that he was pick, he was putting hot dogs in water. Yeah. Just water uh-huh. in a pan. Uh-huh. Because he thought he made it juicier, and he kept saying, well, I'm pickling them. I, it, the way my mind works, so, I... <laughs> we both just looked at each other. We're like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> yeah. And see, like, I, ha- I overanalyze everything. Even if something is said that does not make any sense to me at all, I'm going to spend the next 15 to 20 minutes really just going over in my head, trying to rationalize what's going on, trying to figure out what's really meant to be said here or what's what's really happening. He was um, obviously not saying the right word. Yes, but yes. He was, he was very adamant about what he, he was He was very doing. adamant about that they were being pickled. And I just kind of sat there and, I mean, that was definitely literally a head-scratcher moment. Um, what the hell is really happening here? Um, no, 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 that's, uh, no, that's, uh, that's just letting hot dogs sit in stagnant water. Yeah, um, he, he was just pretty much just soaking in water to make them juicier or something. No, no, I don't think I, that's I, how that works. I'm not 100% sure what his thought process was. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works either. No. <laughs> um, but all right. Um, and those kind of hot dogs. You do, you, those boo-boo. Were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's just kind of. Like I said, we're going to try to get back on the topic of just basic level cleanliness that need to be held up. And, I mean, honestly, you should take some of these cleaning habits and apply them at home because, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're in a restaurant industry, you want to make sure that you're serving good food, good quality food, and that you're being healthy the entire time. I think that if you're not being – given that same level of consideration and healthiness and cleanliness to yourself and your own family, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's definitely something you should implement. Uh, so if you are in an industry and you have been working and you realize that, oh, my God, we've got to do these – exhausting cleaning duties every day and it sucks well honestly it doesn't suck i mean yeah at first it does but once you get a routine and a habit down it's it's i mean it's honestly it's second nature to you yeah. uh, and it's definitely something you should probably start implementing at home as well because um i know for a fact that i have a very high level of cleanliness at work and it is above standards above the basic standards of what it should be um i keep that same thing going at home uh, because I'm not just cooking for myself. I'm, I, I'm cooking for my significant other. I 100% am the opposite. Yeah. I am very, I'm very clean behind the bar and in, in the kitchen at the bar. But when I get home, I mean, I live alone. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. I just, Once there's a, a another person there, hopefully a, a wife sooner or later, 
then oh uh, yeah, obviously it will be different. But yeah, I mean nobody's there. <laughs> well, yeah, and then if and that's the thing when you're just controlling the food and, and what you're putting in your own body, then of course you can have whatever standards you want to. Right? Yeah. Hey, if you don't want to, if you don't know if that's going to be good meat or not, if you don't know if that milk's good or not, hey, just take a shot of whiskey or vodka afterwards. It's going to kill everything. Yeah. Is anyway. I mean, um, all all the food that I cook is all fresh and everything. Like exactly. That. It's just waiting to clean the pan afterwards. Yeah. It's yeah. like oh, I'll get to in the morning, and then I get busy all day, and I'm like, well. I'll do it the next day. And see, day. <laughs> and that's how we take this full circle, and that is how you keep bugs. Um, yeah. Uh, and I am I am not a I'm not a friend of critters. Uh, I've never really been a big fan of critters. Well, unwanted um, friends. Uh, I don't I don't like nobody. We should always tell somebody, especially in the restaurant industry, you see a fly coming to there, you see a bug coming across in there, you're looking at the last person walking in and say, Why did you bring your cousins with you? <laughs> like, leave them at home. Do not bring them in here with you. Um and so definitely my level of standards of cleaning at home uh, definitely drives my significant other up the wall, I'm sure, because she thinks they're irrational to have that level, uh, that standard level of cleanliness. For me, I'm like, ah, oh, this is common sense. No. Yeah. Uh, but it's not necessarily common sense. It's just second nature because I've done it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's just been drilled into your head. Yeah, it's been drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled in my head. And my mindset is I would rather do a small 15 to 20 minutes worth of cleaning Every day after I cook, then to come in on my off day and spend the next two hours detailing this kitchen. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you, and that's something that you'll learn, especially in the industry, just small basic cleaning habits like, hey, you're done with that spatula, put it in the sink. So don't, don't leave it on the counter. You know, uh, you get done with something out of a jug, make sure you put it back up where you got it from. Uh, you got finished cutting something up, wipe the countertop off versus getting there and saying, oh my God, look at all this crap I got to do. And, and, and one thing I always say, there is no such thing as downtime, especially no. in the kitchen, especially in the restaurant industry. If there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Absolutely. <laughs> if you have not had a manager tell you that, man, you ain't been properly managed. I'm sorry. Uh, I always yeah. say it as a joke now. Oh, just yeah. Just because I want to screw with people. I don't know, but also at the same time, that's true. Because I guarantee true, yeah. you, if I if I walk in, let's say the bar that we're talking about today, uh, I guarantee you, if I walked in there right now and the cook was outside sitting at the bar hanging out, I guarantee you there's something in that kitchen I can find. Oh, yeah. At the Johnson I guarantee it wouldn't take two and a half minutes. Yeah. I'd well, probably take less than that. I'd probably just walk in there and open up the lid and say, oh, oh there you go. Mm-hmm. Or the bartender, like, sitting at the end of the bar smoking a cigarette or something. I'm like, <sighs> well, just eat a girl outside. Then you got to wash your hands yeah, afterwards. That, or- yeah, that's the question. Can we get into that for a second? I don't know how much time we got left. Um, um, we're about to be wrapping up here in a second. Okay, okay. Uh, just real quick right there. Um, there's a lot of smokers. I do not understand. If you are working in a restaurant industry, if you ever, ever, ever think in a corporate-style restaurant, there's no way because there's no smoking inside. Right. Um, even in a lot of corporate bars, your servers, your bartenders are not allowed to smoke inside. Mm. Um, if you are a bartender and you think it's okay for you to go sit down at the edge of that bar and smoke a cigarette, I'm telling you right now, um, you're wrong. Even if it if it is a smoking bar. Even if it's a smoking bar. Now, don't be wrong. There are going to be some of those local home family style bars that that nobody cares. Yeah, all their siblings and cousins work there. Exactly. Right? Nobody cares. There's a couple of them that are around us that they are a family, very, very family oriented. Everybody who works mm-hmm. there is family. And nobody's gonna sit there and be like, oh my God, I'm discussing now if someone from the outside who's never been in there comes in and sees that. That's that's the issue. Mm-hmm. You never know 
as a bar, you always want to bring in new clientele. You always want to bring in more people, new people, get the experience into them, let them know that they have a great experience. That way you feel more of a basic clientele basis. Um, but if someone who's never been into your establishment comes in and they see you, the bartender, sitting at the end of the bar smoking a cigarette and you see them and you put the cigarette down and you walk right behind the bar and say, hey, how you doing? What can I do for you? Uh, no. No. Oh, God. It makes my skin crawl right then and there. It's like, yeah. well, first and foremost, you can go wash your damn hands first <laughs> yeah, before that, you even come back over here. And that, I think, is a health code violation. Like, yeah, if, if no. You, if you smoke or go to the bathroom, do anything. Yeah. Um, fix your makeup. Yeah. And even, uh, and you know, our bartenders do it. Um, the cooks do it. Mm. Um, when I used to help, help out at this restaurant, well, I still kind of help out, not necessarily in the work aspect but more of just kind of kind of help get standards in place and met and try to help out with some of the ordering and things but when i was actually in there cooking i think that that was one of the things that blew the previous owner's mind because if i did have what you call that downtime which the volume of that place was the only way i was ever going to have downtime as if i was on my hands and knees scrubbing some things because it just needed yeah. needed it um but trying to keep it at a simple basic level of cleanness where you know i'm not going to kill nobody um, I would have come out and let the lead bartender know, hey, I'm going to step outside real quick. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the previous owner kind of blown his mind. I was like, ah, what are you doing? So I'm going to step outside real quick. I'm like, okay. And they kind of come out there and look at what I'm doing. I'm at the very end of the sidewalk. Nowhere near the door. Nowhere where customers can really see me. Because I think that as a customer coming in, if I see my cooks all standing out back smoking a cigarette, I have no guarantee they went inside and washed their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no idea uh, how many cigarettes they smoke, even if that was a cigarette, doesn't matter. Um, what kind of exposure, cross-contamination is going to happen. Um, but not even that, it's just for a lot of people, it's gross. Yeah, no, it, no one should ever see an employee smoke. No, no, no. I, and I think a lot of places now, a lot of places have a designating smoking area. Mm-hmm. I know when I was working at Charlie's, and this is gross for the customer, let you know this right Usually here. Usually probably by the dumpster. Yes, it's in the dumpster pad. <laughs> you're going to go behind this gate and stand next to these two dumpsters and smoke your cigarette. So that's a vote of confidence for all your customer spaces out there. Mm-hmm. But that's not just them. That's just about every corporate restaurant. Um, they It's yeah. nasty. Yeah. If you're going to be dirty, stand by the garbage. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, and I've, like I said, that's been a lot of restaurants I worked in where that is the best place where your smoking section is. Yeah, mm-hmm. go out there on a dumpster pad. And you're out there where it's nasty dumpster stuff out there, grease, trash, flies swarming all around you, and you're sitting here hotboxing this cigarette to go back in and check your tables. Um, yeah, that's kind of is right there. But, yes, is it gross? Absolutely. But I don't, at least I don't see you. Yeah. At least my customers don't see you because especially now, it being 2019, there are a lot of people who are just straight up offended by cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. They're just, they are offended by it. They don't want to see it. They think it's completely disgusting. They think that if you're in the industry, you shouldn't be doing it. It's rude if you're smoking a cigarette. Exactly. And, you know, though they might be right, though they very well might be wrong, Mm -hmm. um, an easy way to eliminate that, do not smoke in front of your customers. Yeah, just... Just go somewhere I, else. Yeah. Like, and that's one thing that I think we will probably start talking and implementing with them as well. It's like, yeah. um, you know, if you're a bartender and, you know, hey, go around. If you might be the only bartender on duty, technically you probably shouldn't be going outside and smoke a cigarette anyway. But, um, hey, if you're the only bartender on duty, or better yet, go, go to the office. Yeah. yeah. Go go away. Just not in front of the customers. I understand you're thinking, well, let me sit there at the bar so I can see, see if anybody comes in. I can help them out. At the same time, the customer's walking in and saying, 
I don't see a bartender. Oh, it's that lady sitting at the bar smoking that cigarette. Oh, she didn't wash her hands before she came over here. Oh, she just made me a drink. And it all happens mm-hmm. that quick, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Can I get a Marlboro on the rocks? Please, please, please. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, um, I feel like it was just more ranting. Yeah, uh, it was. But, I, but, I mean, I think we were able to touch on a lot of things. Um, just a lot of things that people don't realize, people don't look at, people don't think from the consumer's point of view mm-hmm. uh, of what did you do. And so we're definitely going to take a few of the topics we talked today, maybe delve a little deeper. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we start doing the video casting, we'll actually start showing you some of the, the techniques and uh, things we uh, try to implement yeah. of doing. All right, well, thanks for listening. All right, thank you guys.